Hey, you know, yesterday you gave me some hints on how to maybe make my life a little bit easier when I use my phone. You know, yeah. I've been using screenshots. And then you finally said, hey, bozo, buffoon, idiot, you don't have to do that. So then I then all of a sudden I said, you know, I'm going to try that this morning. So I I brought up this illustration of a, a rabbit with a uh, with a watch pocket watch in his hand and I hit it. And sure enough, it works. And I can't really say much more than that at this point. But perhaps if we do the show, it'll make sense. Hey, you're here. It's the bro show. You landed in the right place. What'd you say, John? I'm sorry. Yeah, well, landed on both feet, you know, didn't stumble, didn't fall, and here I am. Y- yeah, you're here. <laughs> that was that was a greeting for the audience, by the way. Ignore oh. my brother, John. He is my brother. He's actually my brother, and his name, what's your name again? My name's John, in case you forgot it. You just said okay. it, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> my name is Jerry. Oh, what's your name? Jerry. Oh, okay. And and we are actual brothers, and we're gonna we do the bro show every Saturday morning. We have it published and ready for you, all polished up and shiny. Uh, you finish your your cartoons, and you have yourself some cereal, and then you will be ready for the bro show. And it will land in your mailbox if you do the right stuff, right, John? You got it. How do you okay. do that? Do you know how to do it? Well, I don't because, you know, I haven't really had to do it because you serve it to me on a platter. I, you just, bro.show, I think, works, if I remember correctly. Yes, uh, it does. All you have to do is is type bro.show in your uh, URL field or the search field of your browser, your web browser. Right. It'll take you right to our web page, which, by the way, Pam Williams thought was pretty spiffy. Yeah. Wow. It's always nice yeah. to get a compliment like that. Yeah, she's a new listener and subscriber. So I encourage everyone to subscribe. It's free. Uh, we do not hassle people. It, you'll be notified Saturday morning when the show drops. And mm-hmm. then you can just look in your mailbox and read and listen and have fun. Wow. I know, right? Very good. Hey, yeah. listen, are, are, are you are you wearing a, a shirt? Uh, you know, I, I'm, I happen to get one out myself just to let you know. Uh, what do you got? What if, do you got? If if I was not wearing a shirt, I would be in serious difficulty because it, it's quite chilly here, especially right. well, you in, may a be in a parking lot in a car. On. What? You well, you should you know you should only have the t-shirt on. Uh, in Wrong. Terms of the upper upper. Wrong. About the belt because you know you you got to be Wrong. authentic. Wrong. No. Oh, what do you got? What do you What do you got? Uh, you know, uh, John, I wear the T-shirt. You just put it on a chair and claim you're wearing it in the future. I've heard you. <laughs> don't, uh, yeah, don't I, give I, me I, your crap. I appreciate that. Oh, this is when now you're getting good. Now you're getting the idea. Give me shit. <laughs> uh, excuse me. <laughs> Listen okay, to your language. Get to the meat of the matter here. What do you What do you wear? Okay, the meat of the matter is <laughs> I have the Bro Show Technical Technicolor T-shirt. On the second one we made with the fist bump. Ooh, wow, pretty impressive. Uh, yeah, one of my favorites. Very comfortable, nice, soft, comfy feel. It, it's my softest. Yes, <laughs> I like it a lot. I like it a lot. I have very tender skin, as you know. Mm. Hey, yeah. well, it, it, for my T-shirt, I decided. I think I just did this recently, but I had to break it out again. The Thanksgiving T-shirt. Uh, oh yeah, one. You know, one for uh, that uh, kind of implies that the podcast personality might be a turkey. 
Uh, so, <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, the bro show. Here, your favorite turkey squabble gobble, dark humor, yeah, and sibling rivalry. That's, well, of course we. That, that's uh, it. Like, we that's only do it. that. I think we're a, min- a minimum of two times uh, a show, so it's all good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. minimum. <laughs> Sometimes it's subtle. Sometimes it's difficult to tell, but yeah. it is always there in the background. Sibling yes. rivalry. All right, sir. Well, uh, are, are, are you ready to tell us about our sponsor? Well, yes, we do have a sponsor, Animal Legal Defense Fund. And their mission is to protect the lives and advance the interest of those critters out there through the legal system. And how do they do this? Well, they're, mm. they have accomplished this mission by filing high-impact lawsuits to protect animals from harm, providing legal advice to other lawyers who aren't quite with it and need some help. And then they also support tough animal legislation fighting uh, you know, for animals, and we provide resources for people who want to get in this, like law students who really want to get into get the side they're tired of chasing cars uh, and want to get into, a, a, make their profession a little bit more worthwhile. And yeah, of course- Pick it up a notch. Pick it yeah. up. And of course they have swag. Oh, that's one of your better swags you've ever done. That was good. They do. They have t-shirts. And they're quite nice. Uh, I've got one, thanks to you, my brother. And uh, they're colorful. They're poignant. They're on point. Uh, I really like their stuff. And if you want to get it, we've got links to all this stuff at the bottom of our show notes, our webpage. And just click down there and have a ball. Also, we have our own swag. And all the proceeds from the swag we sell goes to the Animal Legal Defense Fund. We sell T-shirts and mugs. And this year, uh, this season, I should say, we have rabbit T-shirts. The season before, we had meerkat T-shirts. And in a few weeks, we're going to have some other T-shirts because the new season's coming up on January 1. I can hardly wait. Yeah. I'm ready. It's exciting. It's exciting. You're going to get one of the first T-shirts, John. Oh, boy. You know, something almost sounds like a Christmas present. It's Christmas and birthday. Okay, I like the combo. All good. Yeah, efficient. No. It's efficient. All oh. right, sir. Hey, listen, you mentioned uh, we're doing rabbit story. You know, now that you we're coming down the home stretch as it relates to rabbits, we want to make sure that we don't miss some of the better rabbit stories that are out there. Sometimes we kind of put them on a list and we kind of let them sit there for a while. And this one's been sitting and it's ready to rock. And rock yeah, might it's, be the operative word. Rock is the operative <laughs> word because our rabbit story is about the white rabbit. Yes. And this is this is really about the song, The White Rabbit, but it pertains to the white rabbit in Alice in Wonderland and through the looking glass. Yes. Uh, this is we're going to recapture a cultural moment in our past. Yes, I'll tell you right now, it's like this brings back fond memories as we look at this. This is a, a song that was written by Gracie Slick of the. Uh, that was in the Jefferson airplane. Actually, she wrote it while she was in another group called the Great Society and just carried the song over when she became the lead singer in the Jefferson yep. airplane. And uh, what's interesting about this is it makes reference to the Alice in Wonderland pretty directly because some of the actual lyrics in the song make reference to some of the, the, the things that go on as a rabbit as she sees a rabbit a rabbit that's very anxious holding a watch a a pocket watch looking like it's very late and it all of a sudden goes down a rabbit hole and before you know it 
we've got ourselves lyrics to a song. And yeah, she what, follows it. She sure does. And it, it, it's kind of nice because you see the time, well, a little bit, you could describe uh, the 60s have their, they, they, they come with a, a kind of a, a characterization that we've all kind of lived with memories of. And maybe you can explain how that, that, that life of the 60s fits into, this, into the song. Uh, yeah, this is, a, as you said, this is a great song. Uh, it's unusual. Uh, it's unusual for a number of reasons. One is uh, it's got a different scale than most songs that you hear rock and roll bands play. It has what's called a Phrygian scale, and it's like a minor scale. In a minor scale, the third note in the scale is flat. In a Phrygian scale, the second and third are flat. And so it has kind of a haunting, uh, slightly melancholy, and sometimes menacing feeling to it. So uh, it's used very effectively in the opening bars of the song, and it kind of creates that mood. And then the structure of the song is really a lot like a, a Spanish uh, uh, bolero, uh, bolero kind of march. It, it sounds like bolero, actually, in a lot of ways, and in that it, it's just one big crescendo. The intensity, the volume, everything in the song keeps building right. until the end and the final note. So it, it structurally, as a piece of music, uh, it stands alone. There aren't, I don't know, another song that's very much like it uh, in rock and roll history. Uh, but this one is, is one to be remembered. The lyrics are also interesting because uh, it so happened that it's semi-autobiographical semi for Grace. When she was a kid, her mom read her a lot of Alice in Wonderland. Mm. And, you know, she she talks about, you know, the, the pills your mother gives you won't do anything at all. She's kind of got that whole, <laughs> <laughs> she's got that line in there. And the thing about this song is it's people say, oh, it's about drugs. And, and you know, the line feed your head is about, you know, uh, taking psychedelics and stuff like that. And, you know, there was a time back in the 60s when if you use drugs, uh, you were called a head. That yes. was the term they used. So uh, everyone thought that. But she said, no, it's as much about curiosity as anything else. The white rabbit right. symbolizes curiosity. And you're chasing the white rabbit as you being curious. And Alice was curious. And she wanted answers to her questions. And it was it was a cultural moment. You know, there was a whole generation of kids who uh, post-World War II, baby boomers, who were kind of looking for answers and they weren't really eager to go to Vietnam and they were protesting this and protesting that. And, you know, it just followed up on the beatnik generation, which, you know, was interesting also, but it's very different. They're two different cultures. And this song was very emblematic of the, the late 60s uh, era, you know, past, right. past 65. And I, I think it's a it's a classic and it still holds up. It and there sure are people does. still covering it and, and re-releasing it, by the way. Well, I think that uh, I'll just give a few of the deets that I kind of left out at the beginning. It's 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 a song that was uh, in the album called Surristic Pillow. And also it was released specifically in June of 67, two, hour, two minutes and 31 seconds on the RCA label. And, you know, it's amazing. Some songs don't have to become number one in order to be like long uh, lifetime lasting uh yeah. this song peaked at on the billboard 100 which in the day we were really i i looked for i always wanted to look at that in the billboard yeah. uh, weekly peaked at eight and was in the hot hundred list for 
81 weeks. So that kind of tells the test of time, the long, the period in which it was in versus just where it ended up uh, peaking at. So that's yeah. basically the story as it relates to this uh, wonderful song. I'm glad we were able to report on it. I'm excited about the word. Are you? Yeah, I'll tell you, this is a word that uh, after we, I got done doing our, our uh, thinking about our two takes, it, it, and you mentioned it, you say, you know, there's a word there somewhere. When we started talking about our two takes, and he says, and she said, you couldn't remember exactly what it was, and all of a sudden it just slapped me in the face when I was watching this movie. Now, the word is, it's actually two words, camouflage vaccine. And camouflage vaccine is something which we really learned about uh, most recently with, with COVID. But what it is, it's a vaccine that contains a harmless form of a pathogen. A pathogen is like the actual virus that you would get in a, if you were, you know, from, that you would get, used to elicit a beneficial response. And uh, so I got this from the uh, from this movie, and I'll refer to the movie in the in the example. The terminal disease used in the camouflage vaccine in World War Z. The this is a zombie movie is never disclosed in the movie. So this is an amazing thing because this movie that we're going to be talking about was made in 2013. But what we find yeah. is many of the elements with respect to you know saving the world come back in 2019 and 2020 when we basically overcome the 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 effects of the covid virus and sure enough the method that was used was a camouflage uh, vaccine in other words what they did Ooh. is they tried to trick they, they tried to trick the virus into thinking, uh, you know, the body thinking that the body thought, well, you know, I've got the COVID vaccine when it was a harmless version of it that we built up antibodies as a result and we were able to overcome it. So it's sort of a sleight of hand, which is yeah, also is. done in this movie. That's the key. It's it's sort of that trickster sort of approach that we that is used. So yeah. that's our word. Uh, and uh, it's 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 I really liked it. Okay, so our our two takes is going to be about the best zombie movie, in my opinion. And people say, oh, it's not a real zombie movie because the zombies are too active. Right. There's a lot of factors in this. So it's a great, you know, what we're talking about, as I've already referred to, is World War Z. And I also did what, what you kind of refer to, and that is, well, if it's the best zombie movie, where does it fit into a list of the top 25? So I went to a top 10 list, find it, went to a top 25 list, couldn't find it. And I think the reason with this movie and this is that it has more, it has more elements to it than just the pure zombie movie. And it does have a little bit of takeoff. And some of the elements, most of the elements are there. But it adds, it has an added kind of dimension to it. So we're referring to this World War Z is the uh, American post-apocalyptic horror film that was starring Brad Pitt. And by the way, this was the largest grossing movie Brad Pitt had been in up to that point in his career. It's inspired by a novel written by Max Brooks. And inspired is the key word because... It doesn't have a lot of the specific elements in the novel. And quite often when we think about movies made in novels, then they say, well, read the novel because it's better than the movie. Well, in this case, reading the novel, you're not even going to think they're two different things as it is. Yeah, they are. 
I see an action plot to this movie, and I see sort of a mystery plot to it. And I, and it's, I would call this a thinking man's zombie movie. And yeah, I, think I think it is. I think and I is. don't think the zombies are doing the thinking, to be perfectly honest, which. Oh, so they don't have to. <laughs> they don't have to. You know, they don't have they have a hive mentality, which is another thing that's kind of unique about these zombies. Yes. They yeah, they're they're team players in a way in some of the things they do. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so well, the, the, go ahead. I was just going to say, you know, in a lot of zombie movies, the zombies will fight among themselves a lot. So, ah. you know, and and these zombies do, too. If there's no if there's no brains to eat or anything then zombies tend to quibble a lot. But uh, as long as there's lots of people to infect and lots of brains to eat, they're they're a pretty cooperative bunch, you know? And these guys in particular did some amazing things. And yeah, can, can, should we go through it a little bit and talk about what happened? Well, spoilers. yeah. Spoilers. Yeah, there's some spoilers here. But I think what we've got is we've got a, a former United Nations investigator played by Brad Pitt. And, he's, and it's a family movie in a way because it starts out with a nice, caring family. And they're on, they're in Philadelphia, and they appear to be locked in gridlock and traffic. Somebody says, well, your, your thought is, well, there must be some motorists that stranded somewhere and all blocking. But we find out that it isn't a motorist. It wasn't um, their normal traffic congestion. It was created because the town was being, Philadelphia was being overrun by zombies. And the family, this will be one of many times in this movie where the, the, uh, the, the family escapes and Brad Pitt. Like, in other words, by the time we get done with this movie, uh, Harry Houdini would be proud of Brad the way he's escaping everything. Yeah. So well, what happens is, not without you know, not without some bloodshed. Yeah, I know. I mean, it's a it's a trail he leaves. It's not pretty pleasant. Not very you know, pleasant. You know, the most amazing thing I think about this movie and one of the differentiating factors is how quickly people change to zombies once they're bitten. You oh, know? yeah. That's and you key, see and that's that early. Yeah. yeah, you, you see, see that. that early. And what happens is Brad Pitt sees someone get attacked and bit. He he turn, He looks at his watch, and he sees how quickly someone turns into a zombie, and it's 12 seconds. And he wow. verifies this. Now, this is going to be a key piece of information. And also... This gives entire justification to the overrunning of the world by zombies because the incubation period is 12 seconds. Mm. So that means that, you know, you can have one zombie on, let's say, an airplane and within minutes, the whole airplane is going to be zombies. That's true. So it, it moves yeah. fast. It, it, that's very, fast. very important. So the, to get cut to the chase, and chase is the operative word here, he bounces all over the, the world uh, in search of the source of the virus, which we realized that's uh, very comparable to what was happening with COVID, because what we were doing is we were so doggone at the beginning, worried about the source and figured the source might have the answer. But we know historically that getting to the source, does it work all the time in terms of, no. of coming up with the vaccine? And you're absolutely right. No, it doesn't. So uh, I felt like I've already mentioned the most impressive thing about the attacks of the zombies when he goes from like Korea, Israel and a couple of other cities looking for the is that there's this one attack that's done where it's almost like the, the zombies are crawling upon each other to, to vault a wall and breach this wall in Jerusalem. And I, I thought that's a little different. And that was pretty good. Yeah. Yeah, that, so, that was and it was really well done. I mean, all of this stuff is believable. 
well done. And there's carnage and all that stuff. But, you know, there's so much action and you're so worried about Brad and his family that, you know, you just deal with it. You, you're like in shock the first how many minutes of this movie watching all this stuff. Yeah, they, they really it hits you in the face with with all the action at the beginning uh, just to kind of get it to get it started. But what I found was that there's a mystery that uh, that comes about because he finally realizes that getting to the source of it wasn't as important as coming up with a with the vaccine. It was done through his pure observation that yeah. he was looking at the zombies and the way that they reacted to most of the people who they were overrunning and biting. But some people they were just leaving by the wayside and didn't do anything with. And that's they didn't even. Sudden, it was like they didn't see them. Yeah, and that's all of a sudden where the light bulb goes on uh, off for Brad, and he. He realizes that he has got, he thinks, a hypothesis, an idea that can work. But in order for him to figure it out, he needs to go someplace where they've got some of the uh, the germs and the of the serum, the, the stuff of the worst pathogens on the face of the earth. And so he goes to the World Health Organization, one of their facilities, and comes and gives them the idea and says, look, the key here is that the person I saw was not very well. In fact, he looked like he's about ready to die, a kid, just laying there practically. And that's when he comes up with this idea of testing a hypothesis. But the problem is that he picks, we don't even know what serum or what virus he is. He injects himself with. And of course, in order to get to that, the typical escape, he's got to escape some zombies who happen to be within the, within the facility. And sure enough, he right. does it. Well, the, the only thing important really is he has to be undesirable for the zombies. Right. And to be undesirable, he has to be really sick. Deadly you sick. Know, it's interesting when you think about this. We know that there are animals out there that will eat or scavengers. And they have no problem yeah. eating an animal that they haven't actually caught themselves. And that animal might be dead. Other animals will not get, will want nothing to do with it. They've got to have fresh meat in order to eat. So the whole idea that the zombie might be that kind of animal is not far from reality and with, as right. we take a look. So I think that's important to know. But sure enough, he ends up doing it. And before we know, we've, we've got it is he's, he gets in the situation where the zombies are going all past him. So he knows, knows he has the answer. And so the world lives for another day. And what is, But the montage that we have at the end kind of speeds it up a little bit before you know it he's okay world health organization's happy and the next thing you see is a montage to people getting shots so they're getting shots so you realize well wait a minute how did they get there well that's where the camouflage vaccine comes into handy where they realize what we need to do is come up with a vaccine that has all the elements of of this illness this very viral uh you know pathogen and but you're going to be well and the zombies are going to think you've got the disease and you're going to be OK. And sure enough, it kind of has when you think about it. Well, how long does that last? Well, you know, we really don't know how long that'll last. It's it's a more a lot of a treatment of than questions. it's a cure. Yeah. And those are the same questions that we're kind of left with as we look at today's world when it relates to the covid virus. So that's right. It's it's, it's definitely an analog to what's going on today. Well, this is. I find this very exciting. I thought this was a great movie. It's an enjoyable ride. I recommend it. And it's on Amazon, right, John? 
Yeah, it's on Amazon. You can get it through Prime Video. Uh, just to give you give you just a couple very quick things. It's it's it got a very it, it's got good ratings. Uh, seven out of the seven out of ten, and the viewer uh, and critics thought it was a good movie. And so, and it's it's really great. And I think, uh, you know, what more can we say about it? It's it's got all these different underlying themes. I think some of those themes are ones yeah. we live with today. Um, and it made you know, money too. Made money. It made money, and it you know had it was one of the top movies of the in the in the summer of 2013. 500, 540 million bucks uh, with a with a cost of uh, over two million or uh, two hundred million. Um, yeah. Wow. It, it, it's good stuff all the way. All right, dude. Uh, we're ready for the groaners, I think. Hey, I think we are. And our groaners are brought to us by the groaner guru. That's what we call him. Uh, Vincent Anthony Lauder Jr., who supplied us with a couple of groaners. In fact, I've got a leftover groaner from. So this is what I call a le- leftover uh, Thanksgiving uh, uh, groaner. Here it is. Why did the girl turkey, what did the girl turkey say when she bumped into the boy turkey? What did the girl turkey say when she bumped into the boy turkey? And think a little bit about Roger Rabbit is what this is a takeoff on. (laughs) Oh. (laughs) It's kind of a stretch. Yeah, I'm going to pass. I want to hear the answer. Was that, was your pop? up timer was that your pop-up timer or are you just excited to see me <laughs> oh, i like that i like that that's good that's good. okay gotta, this one is so obvious that it's gonna probably pass you because but i'm gonna give it to you anyway why did the blind man fall in well why did the blind man fall in the well and it's just it, it's so it, it, it it's you just got to repeat and it's kind of it's kind of silly, but uh, oh, well, I don't know. I'm going to pass on that one too. I got both of them last week. I'm gonna, yeah, I'm he fell in a well because he could not see that well. Oh man, <laughs> that is really bad, isn't it? Uh, you sure that isn't a subject tank instead of a well? <laughs> Didn't pass the smell test, huh? <laughs> <laughs> 